0: Hi, my name's Tom.
1: And I'm Joanna Bailey.
0: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week.
1: Coming up today, Tom will look at the latest news on the ITA Airways sale, while I update you on the Qatar Airways Airbus spat.
0: I will see which airline bought some A320 Neos last week, while Joe looks at the current situation with the Boeing 777X.
1: Finally, Tom will explore what's going on with Lufthansa's Airbus A380s and where they hope to fly the giants.
0: So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I thought I should start with what was one of the bigger stories last week, in my opinion. Um, And this was that Lufthansa had made an offer in the bid to acquire ITA Airways. And, you know, it's not the first time they've made an offer. So I thought I'd look into this a bit more. Um, So the carrier essentially... um, they revealed that they'd be pursuing a stake in ITA Airways, and they've now formally submitted a new offer to the Italian Ministry of Econom- Economy and Finance. Um, and this was, um, I think, last Wednesday, actually. So I think it came out just after we'd um, recorded last week's podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about a week old. But um, anyway, um, they are now looking to uh, take a mi- minority stake in the Italian carrier and then. Um, essentially in the long term have the option to purchase the remainder of the carrier Um, so I found it quite interesting because Lufthansa is kind of second best in the eyes of the Italian government because almost a year now they've been um, bidding for it alongside Air France KLM Group um, And Air France KLM Group was chosen by the Ministry of Finance to, um, like, they had a period of exclusive talks about them taking it over and um, it didn't go anywhere. And at the time, Lufthansa said... Uh, we take note of the decision our joint offer together with MSC was a better solution for ITA from our point of view. I mean, of course it would be. Um, but um, <laughs> apparently a path is now being chosen that allows for more state influence and does not provide for a complete privatization of ITA. So that bit in itself is quite interesting because more state influence does not provide for a complete privatization would kind of explain... Um, how you know uh, they've said they want to take a minority stake for now and look in the future to to expand it so Originally, um, Lufthansa was bidding with MSC Group. They're a big freighter company um, Mm -hmm. in Europe. I think Um, mainly sea freight. I think before. Yeah, yeah, boats, (laughs) boats, boats. And they've now. It it appears. I did ask Lufthansa, but nobody got back to me. uh, But it appears that Lufthansa is now going in alone with its bid. Um, for Ita Airways, um, they hope to sign a memorandum of understanding with the Italian government, which would give them exclusivity in talks. And Lufthansa told us these talks would primarily focus on the form of a possible equity investment, the commercial and operational integration of Ita into the Lufthansa Airway, airline group, as well as resulting synergies. In case of a binding agreement is reached, its implementation would be subject to approval by the relevant authorities. Um, given that the Italian government is heavily involved in this, I don't think they would have a regulatory issue, but maybe Germany or the <laughs> EU or someone else would. Mm. Um, it's interesting, though, because you know, ITA isn't the only um, interest that Lufthansa has in Italy. It's also got its own subsidiary um, that focuses really on Germany-Italy flights, and that's called Air Dolomiti. And they have, um, I looked in the numbers in Syria, they've got flights to 10 Italian destinations from Frankfurt and Munich this month. Um, and they just fly a fleet of little Embraer's, uh, E-175s. I think they've just got some E-190s as well. So... Mm. Um, it will be interesting, uh, you know, if the if Lufthansa ever fully takes it over, you know, if the brands remain separate and whatever, all of this. But um, Lufthansa did say that um, Italy was its most important market outside of its home markets and the US. Cool. Um, so, yeah, that was quite interesting. Um, I and- do wonder
1: if it will affect, like, if it goes ahead, mm. obviously... Ita Airways is more of an international carrier than just like, it's not like Air Dolomiti. They're very much a, a feeder Regional. airline up to Frankfurt. Mm. Um, but it is going to have its own routes to the US and possibly other places as well. You know, would that start to carve into Lufthansa's market share from Frankfurt if people can fly with a Lufthansa Group carrier from Italy direct? I don't know.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you've got that argument, but then at the same time left if they're flying from Italy direct and Lufthansa group owns ITA, then they still get the revenue from that passenger. So that's
1: true. That's is true. Is it such
0: a bad thing? I don't know, but clearly, you know, they've done the business case behind this, so
1: seems to work very well in Austria and Switzerland mm. for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, So they're taking over Europe. <laughs> yeah, slowly but
0: surely. <laughs> British Lufthansa Airways.
1: <laughs> Be interesting to see how it plays out, although I'm sure it's going to take quite some time. Um, mm. Something else that's taking quite some time is ca- the Qatar Airbus dispute. Um, I'm sure you guys have all heard about this. It's a $2 billion dispute with Qatar Airways over mm. surface damage to the Airbus A350 aircraft. Um, the two companies have been fighting in court for months already. And it's all to do with the safety impact of the flaking paint. Um, The paint has flaked off to such an extent it's exposed corrosion or gaps in a sub layer of metallic lightning protection. So really at the heart of this case is a little bit of copper foil that's sandwiched between the carbon fuselage and the outer paint on the A350, um, which is designed to allow lightning strikes to dissipate very safely away from the aircraft. very unique feature of a composite aircraft because it's not metal, obviously you need this lightning protection. Anyway, um, the paint started to flake off, Qatar took Airbus to court and the most recent hearing in the case was last week. Um, so one of the really interesting things that came out of this was that it was revealed Airbus has already carried out design changes to the Airbus A350. Um, so Qatar told the London court this, not Airbus. Um, they said the Airbus had already been implementing the change and called for more information on the change, Airbus confirmed that it had been in use partially from late last year. Um, So what's been changed? Well, we knew since November 2021 that Airbus was already studying a new type of um, foil known as perforated copper foil or PCF. Um, It's lighter than the current expanded copper foil or ECF. um, And it also eases this issue of cracking paint above it Um, So, and the spokesperson in court said that PCF is being used on rear section parts of aircraft delivered from the end of 2022. So, it's not a major design change, um, but there are some aircraft already flying out there that have had the new sort of copper foil applied to them. Now, of course, Qatar Airways wants to know more about this design change and says that it's fundamental to their case. However, Airbus maintains its stance that even though it is moving away from ECF, um, the ECF design is completely safe. The judge that is overseeing the trial, a nice chap called David Waxman, um, noted that the design change is significant to the case. So I'm guessing that Airbus will be pressed uh, to supply more information on that design change. There's been kind of issues about information sharing between the two parties throughout this case. Um, Most recently, Qatar Airways requested raw modelling data of the A350 so that its engineers could simulate a lightning strike to prove that these paint gaps could create a safety risk. But Airbus said that French security services have raised concerns about sharing data on the A350's design, particularly because it is growing in use amongst European governments, including by your lovely Chancellor. Tom. Um, Nevertheless, the two sides have reached a provisional agreement that they will share this data under secure conditions. Um, But it's not the only sharing of information that has become a pain point in this case. So, um, since the start, Qatar Airways has always maintained that the Qatari Civil Aviation Authority forced its hand on this A350 issue. Um, It said the QCAA revoked the airworthy Airworthiness review certificates on 22 of its A350 aircraft, which effectively grounded them and meant they couldn't be flown. But to date, the airline hasn't presented any evidence in court of a conversation going on between themselves and the QCAA on this point. Now, you'd think a conversation would have taken place if a regulator is going to ground some of your aircraft. There would have been an email trail or I don't know some sort of verbal conf- confirmation, a letter, who knows. Anyway, according to notes that were shared with Simple Flying from the case, Judge w- Waxman, sorry, expressed frustration that despite repeated requests for Qatar to produce this information, there was still nothing forthcoming. He went on to demand that evidence of this correspondence be presented by Qatar Airways by April the 21st. That's the date the two sides are going to meet again in London. So Judge Waxman further noted the absence of Qatar's CEO Akbar al bakr at the trial and the lack of any evidence forthcoming from the executive. And he said, I reject the contention that Mr. Al-Bakr has only been peripheral in this issue. Lots of legalese in that particular sentence. But he's saying that he doesn't think Mr. Al-Bakr can dis himself in the way that he is from what's going on in court. Um, he said that apparently Mr. Bakr says that not all minutes are minuted. It's basically meaning that not everything has been written down to do with this case. So it's impossible to present that information as a piece of evidence. But he said, Mr. Bakr appears not to wish to engage at all on this case, whether as a matter of substance or on matters of disclosure, where he may be able to assist. So Like, in a nutshell, Waxman is getting quite frustrated with the situation. He wants the evidence to be presented on April the 21st, or he suggested that the other thing Qatar can do is present a witness statement from al Bakr saying that no such evidence exists. Then we can draw a line under it. But if they don't have this evidence to back up the argument, they could face elements of the claim being struck out, or ultimately the entire case being thrown out of court. So I think it's popcorn time in the Qatar Airbus case. Um, there's lots going on. It's always popcorn of, time, Joe. <laughs> lots of stories from both sides. Um, I mean, you would think that if the regulator noted Qatar that they can't fly their airplanes, whether by email or written correspondence, wouldn't it be in the interest of Qatar to share that information with the court? It's a very confusing situation, um, and I personally am looking forward to April the 21st to see what comes out of the next meeting.
0: Mm. Well, I mean, watch this space. And um, if you want to read more about the whole drama, we have a lovely directory on Simple Flying, which links back to all of the really important um, stories right from day one. I mm. think
1: it's a very lovely timeline account of exactly what went on.
0: Mm. And we're sticking with Airbus. I wanted to talk about their first, you know, a sort of big new order for the year. Um, you know, their first order for the year was technically um, Delta committing to 12 uh, A220s, I think. but mm. I wanted to talk about, um, you know, I think that was just um, op- previously options, whereas this order I'm talking about is completely new, and that is that Uzbekistan Airways um, revealed an order for 12 aircraft from the A320 Neo family. So it already operates uh, with a fleet of 17A 320 family aircraft. And, you know, it's not decided yet which engines it's going to put on the new order. But, um, you know, I found this quite interesting because Boeing so far, as we record this and watch how we get some really big orders now as soon as we finish recording this. (laughs) um, But Boeing hasn't really had any, um, any big orders that it's communicated. The orders for Boeing so far have kind of been... Um, you know, I think the Hawaiian Airlines um, 787 thing was a Hawaiian Airlines financial release. Um, it wasn't from Boeing, but um, Airbus has been doing a bit better in terms of actually sort of telling about orders itself. So um, you know Uzbekistan Airlines, it's taking 12 A320 Neo family planes. Um, so this is going to be four A321 Neos and um, eight A320 Neos. As far as I can tell, the A321 NEOs are not the LR or the XLR, they're just the standard off-the-shelf 321 NEO, mm-hmm. um, but you're going to like this, Joe, they're going to come with the Airbus airspace cabin, which is um, mm. meant to make long-haul flying on an narrow body feel like a dream. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Um, and Uzbekistan Airways does hope to use these aircraft to boost its domestic and international air uh, network. Commenting on the announcement, Ilham Makamov Uh, who's chairman of the board of Uzbekistan Airways, he remarked that the contract signed with Airbus is a new step in our fleet modernization strategy aimed at offering our passengers the most modern and comfortable aircraft. At the same time, these new fuel-efficient A320neo family aircraft will help us to further expand and strengthen our footprint in Central Asia, as well as develop our domestic and international uh, network. So I thought I'd have a little look at Uzbekistan Airways' fleet because You know, they're not someone that we report on that often. Um, So they've got 39 aircraft, actually, which I think is quite surprising. Um, And 32 of these are listed as active. Uh, So eight out of nine uh, A320-200s, A320-200s, yeah, uh, they're active. Two out of three A320-Neos are active. Four out of four A321 Neos are active. They do have one A321LR, and that's active. Um, they've got two Airbus ACJ320s, uh, which I'm sure you will love, Joe. Um, mm-hmm. They're active. Um, one of two Boeing 757-200s is active. Seven, uh, five of 7, seven, six, seven 300s is active. Uh, two seven, six, seven, converted freighters are active. Um, seven active 787-8s. Seven, and they have two... Ilushin IL-76s, but both of them are listed as not active by um, by CH Aviation. But I did look, they look really nice in the, the Uzbekistan Airways um, livery. So if I'm you sure haven't they seen do. it, do <laughs> take a look. Um, but I also looked at the network and it's quite surprisingly, you know, uh, Uzbekistan Airways flies to the big um, hubs like Seoul, Kuala Lumpur, Frankfurt, London Heathrow, and even JFK, But its top route is um, from Tashkent to Moscow, Domodedovo. Um, It's got roughly 140 flights in each direction planned in January, according to Sirium. Um, And Istanbul is the second with 73 round trips before two domestic cities of Ugrinch and Nukus. So (laughs) um, I found that quite interesting um, to sort of look into... Um, Uzbekistan Airways a bit. And I think, you know, I love their livery. Um, mm,
1: it's one of I'm those rare a- airlines I'd love to go on at some point, but I have no inclination to go to Uzbekistan right now. But it's probably yeah, a very well, nice place. I mean, maybe maybe that should be my summer holiday. <laughs> yeah,
0: who knows? I mean, just go, well, you could just get the liveries, uh, go to Frankfurt or um, <laughs> uh, Heathrow to see the livery. But yeah, no, I, I'd love to fly on them too, I think. And I mean, Uzbekistan, I think it could be one of those sort of hidden gems you know Mm. (laughs) who knows
1: like Kazakhstan I mean that's supposed to be very nice and I've never Mm. been I'm ashamed to say but maybe one day I know you've got an open invite to go and see your friends at (laughs) (laughs) Arizona
0: yeah hopefully we'll tick that off this year
1: (laughs) (laughs) well I just thought it was a good point in time to see what is going on with the 777X program why today well Actually, today, as we're recording this, it has been three years to the day since the 777X first took a flight. Um, I can't believe that much time's gone, actually. It feels like yesterday that we had a reporter up there at Boeing Field watching mm. it in the rain and the horrible weather they had that day. Um, so time has moved on, but has the program? Well, testing hasn't been going exactly to plan. Last April, Boeing announced that it would push out the delivery date for the first 7779 to at least 2025. This had been rumored for a while before and various airline CEOs had told us, yeah, we're okay. not getting it then, we're getting it later. Um, but Boeing confirmed In, it last April. I think someone um,
0: said, we don't know if we're getting it ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um They admitted that this move would cost them $1.5 billion in abnormal production costs. And at the same time, they said they would pause the production of new 777X aircraft through to the end of 2023 to avoid any buildup of inventory. Um, So far, Boeing has produced 20 production planes. That's a lot of big jets to find parking spaces for. Plus, it has its four aircraft test beds. Um, Those four aircraft had been busy going through the necessary tests, processes, flights, et cetera, to get the the manufacturer towards certification. But in October last year, Boeing paused all of its flight testing. Didn't really say why at the time, but as usual, these things come out in the wash. So almost two months later, it said it would resume flight testing. And at that point, it admitted that the problem that had prompted the pause was related to the engines. Of course, the Boeing 777X has these massive GE9X engines, the biggest in the world. Um, and apparently, an inspection in October found that there was an engine issue after N779XW was performing some test flights between Seattle and Moses Lake, and one of the GE9X engines failed. So, the engine was removed. It was sent off to GE in Ohio for engineering test runs, and now it's back. It's refixed to the aircraft. Boeing's restarting the flight testing program, so all the test are back in the skies uh, or are mm. they well we took a look at how much they're actually flying this year um, since the start of 2023 three years since that very first flight and um, the four aircraft are registered N779XW, XX, XY, and XZ. The first one to roll off the production line was N779XW. Um, This one is primarily used to test electronics, do taxi tests, avionics, brakes, flutter, icing, stability, control, and low-speed aerodynamics, according to Boeing. The aircraft has been quite active. Um, It's had test flights just about every day in January, actually. Um, The most recent at the time of recording was just yesterday, Today, January the twenty fourth, when it flew for almost three hours over Seattle Boeing Field, um, its recent flights are usually between one and five hours. Although it did do a massive sixteen hours and forty two minutes flight from Singapore back to Moses Lake, um, mm. I'm guessing that was after the Singapore Air Show last year, where it was doing demonstration flights. So it's proven its long haul capabilities anyway. So the second one, sorry, the second one, N779XX, that one's used for testing auto landing, ground effects, stability and controls. It's been flying just about daily, but not around Boeing Field, around a place called Yuma. Um, I'm not too sure where that is. I assume there's another Boeing facility there, but it's not Mm -hmm. one you see very often. Um, But it always has very short flights, usually under an hour. So the third one, N779XY, that tests for the Boeing 777X's auxiliary power unit, avionics, flight loads, propulsion performance. And it's also the only one of the test aircraft that is already booked in to go to a future airline operator, uh, Tom's favorite airline, German flag carrier, Lufthansa. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sadly for XY, it hasn't been off the ground since last June. Um, It's clearly not quite needed yet, but presumably will be coming back soon. Um, N779XZ, the last one to roll off the production line, is primarily used to test environmental control systems, extended twin engine operations, noise, general functionality and reliability. But that poor airplane hasn't flown since November 2021. So it's uh, not done an awful lot of flying at all, actually. But um, I imagine if Boeing has got these issues with the GE9X ironed out, it will be keen to really ramp up the flight testing over the course of this year. They are still Mm. hoping to certify the aircraft before the end of 2023. Um, That was the last thing I heard from them. I think that's still ambitious. Um, But we're still looking at 2025 entry into service because there's still a lot of work to do, clearly. But I think, you know, keep your eyes on the skies around Boeing Field and you'll probably see a few more of these massive jets taking off later in the year.
0: Mm. I can't wait to see them start taking off with the airline's liveries as well. But mm, Absolutely. <laughs> we'll see. I'm looking forward to seeing it in Paris, hopefully, this year as well. This I'm summer. sure
1: it will be there doing its uh, mm. wonderful flight test demonstration.
0: Yeah. Well, um, you mentioned Lufthansa briefly there. And sticking with the Lufthansa, we reach… Um, dum-dum-dum-dum-dum, Tom's A380 podcast segment. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Um, So what I wanted to say was really, you know, I emailed Lufthansa yesterday as we're recording this on Wednesday, um, just saying, you know, has there been any update to the A380 plans? And I expected to get sort of like a, you know, we've said this before, blah, blah, blah. Um, But actually, um, I chatted to someone who, uh, a chap called Michael, who gave me some really... Um, detailed plans that I couldn't find anywhere on the internet yet. So um, thank you very much for that. Um, So what did they tell us? They told us that they're aiming to have uh, the free A380s ready for operation in early June, uh, in early summer, so June. And tentatively, they're planning to fly them to New York, Boston, or Los Angeles. So um, I thought that was quite interesting, because Mm. I know James, uh, before our routes analyst, um, just kind of looked where they'd flown it before to kind of work out where it might go, and his bet was slightly different, I think, um, but it was still a good a good guess. Um, and you know, they've they also told me that they're not going to alter the cabin of the aircraft, so you're going to get the four cabin layout that was on it when it was grounded. Um, the other thing I found interesting was that they told me about how they're really going to get the planes back in the sky. And, you know, Lufthansa's crew, they haven't worked on the Airbus A380 since they grounded the type almost three years ago. So basically the majority of the crew, if not all of them, will require full retraining on this giant aircraft. Um, You know, when British Airways brought back its A380s, we saw them doing short haul flights from London to Frankfurt with paying short haul passengers. Um, So, you know, they were um, not just empty, uh, operating empty flights everywhere, but it seems Lufthansa is taking a different tact. Um, the spokesperson told us that flight training with some 60 legs is scheduled for May, uh, but these are only going to be training flights and not commercial flights. Um, and they're going to take place at airports Hanover, Leipzig and Dresden. They're all in uh, Germany. Quieter airports where the 787 went for its training flights before it had its first passengers. Um as we know, you know, um, we previously discovered that they're now only going to bring bring back three A380s instead of four to five um delta alpha india mike kilo was already withdrawn from tyrell airport at the start of december and having completed wheel swing tests at uh, in frankfurt because these weren't possible in um tyrell mm. it's now expected to go to manila for 33 days for a really heavy return to service man- maintenance um, <laughs> and this is going to take place at lufthansa technic um, who else but these are also the people who maintain ba's a380s so they really know what they're doing they've got a lot of customers um but anyway, the giant quadjet is expected to depart Frankfurt Airport for Manila as LH9922 at 6.15 in the morning on January 29th. So Oof. I don't think I'm going to go and get photos of that one. Um,
1: probably still be dark, will it, in Frankfurt? It will be, yeah. That'll be yeah, your definitely. excuse then.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it'll probably be quite cold. Um, but yeah, following this, Delta Alpha Mike Mike is expected to fly from Tyrell to Frankfurt on February 3rd. Maybe that's at a slightly better time. We'll see. And then uh, Delta Alpha India Mike Lima is set to follow in early March. Um, so that's my little A380 update. I was really excited um, that we sort of got so much um, new information from Lufthansa. And thank you very much for for letting us know that.
1: Yeah, very nice to get some uh, mm. insider information. If there are any other airlines that would like to give us some inside scoops on what they're doing with their aircraft, particularly the A380 for <laughs> <Yep>. Tom, <laughs> do let us know. <laughs> but it will be exciting to see them returning to the skies after all this time. And I'm sure a crowd pleaser in terms of the passengers as well. Mm. Anyway, I think that's about all we've got time for on today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com.
0: For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying.
1: If you enjoyed the podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.
0: Bye.